his name is Mark, has uh, been uh, sent to a sanctuary after 20 years of, cap- uh, of captivity. Folks said, well, what's a restaurant bear? In Albania, they historically kept bears in cages. And this, this is really sad. Uh, right by restaurants or hotels as a tourist attraction to come in there. So uh, Mark is a 24-year-old brown bear, the last known restaurant bear in Albania. Uh, but they're letting him go in a sanctuary there, which is good. Oh. I'm, glad, I'm glad they're taking the care of that. All right. And then finally, Snoop, um, for folks who don't think that uh, Snoop can uh, drop an F-bomb, that's been well documented. We've talked about this in our, our Zoom call about the all-flex team. But the reason why I even bring this up, Snoop, mm. is to let you know that research has indicated that swear words – in di- many different languages, not just English, many different languages have one thing in column, common. And it's not that they all start with F or, you know, or the no F-bomb thing, something like that. No, no. But what it is is it swear words lack the consonant sounds L, R, W, and Y across several languages, including Chinese, English, and Spanish. So the phonetic wow. patterns in profanity in several disparate dialects revealed that L, R, W, and Y just seem to be missing from the profane lexicon. Now, I know people will use the F word and put an R on the end of it when they're talking to somebody. <laughs> yeah. But, wow. uh, yeah. Interesting. I know. That, I know. There's something to that. Yeah. So, we, we should dig deeper. Well, we somebody should. L R W Y. N Y. Yeah. Okay. You, you you do a little research into that. All right. Second hour of Light the Tower coming up here on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM twelve sixty. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Business Services Studios. You're listening to KTX. Second hour of Life the Tower on the horn. Craigway with you. Jeff Howe out today. Um, bad throat. Just, just it's all kinds of nasty and raspy and everything. And I told him to make sure to get to a doctor. And he is. He was uh, getting it checked out tomorrow. So we're kind of plunging into this holiday season. So I'm tossing Snoop some... Uh, Holiday Thank tunes you. to do. You okay with that? Because, you know, I would have started like four weeks ago. <laughs> you would have. You know, the the academic and athletic fall semester ends today for the University of Texas. Actually, today. Today's the last day. So uh, some, some folks are getting done with final. My son up at Midwestern State just finished his uh, final exam, I think, on Friday. And he'll be coming home. Tomorrow, I believe he's wrapping up a few things, and then he'll be headed back home. But um, uh, that's uh, we figured. Okay, so now we're into the holiday season. We can we can do that. You know, we can do that. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to a couple other things as well. But what we did want to do here, here on Light the Tower, Craigway with you here, Snoop Daniel alongside, is uh, send out our congratulations. Earlier we. Uh, uh, brought you Bucky and Aaron's conversation with Drew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers. He'll uh, join us in our weekly 
uh, segment on Thursday. But we always, always enjoy getting an opportunity to visit with the head coach of the Wimberley Texans, whose unbeaten Texans are headed to the 4A Division II state championship game Friday morning at 11 o'clock to take on Carthage. And so pleased to be joined on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline by the head coach of the Texans, Doug Warren, who's with us now. Coach, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I, I would ask you how you're doing this morning, but that seems like a silly question. I imagine you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Heck yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there's only two of us that are getting to practice uh, football this morning in, in 4A Division Two, and we're one of them. So just feel blessed to be here and enjoying every second of it. Well, and, and, and you bring up a good point, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here in the studios in Austin looking out, and it's complete pea soup, foggy, murky conditions. But when you get a chance to practice, I imagine your guys feel like their feet are 10 feet off the ground. It doesn't matter what the weather conditions are like when you're going back out on the practice field and getting an opportunity to keep working here in mid-December. Heck yeah! Uh, you know we we uh, had athletic period this morning and we lifted and then and then uh, went out on the grass for a little bit and and there was no uh, there was no pouting around or any of that. Man, it was there was some a lot of bouncing around and, and a lot of smiles and and just glad to be practicing at this time. Well, and and you have continued to establish great things at that program and uh, come off a big year last year. What what's the biggest difference? between this year's team and, and getting back into the state championship game and, say, uh, last year's ball club? You know, last year's group was a was a special group that, that had, a, man, a, a lot of kids that had played a ton of games and had started, you know, maybe since they were sophomores. And so you had a lot of, I guess, for lack of a better term, star power. Um, you know, so you, a lot of those names you knew and stuff and, and this team isn't like that. A lot of these guys, they played a lot last year, but just kind of under the radar uh, type kids. They just love, you know, playing the game of football. They love being a Wimberley Texan, and, and they just go out there and, and uh, you know, just try to get better each and every day. And that you can't say – I can't say enough about them. I mean, they've done everything we've asked. They've answered the bell 15 times uh, this year, and, and we're going to go, you know, try to answer it one more time uh, Friday morning. Doug, I've asked you about this uh, on back several weeks ago, and uh, and it was about uh, the the known versus the unknown. And uh, when you went into fall camp workouts, any time that you have to replace a quarterback who's a known commodity and in in Cash McCollum, and we've seen what he's done obviously at China Spring, uh, there's there might be some unknowns. But how good did you feel about what you had? In, in a sophomore in Cody Stover going out to lead your offense going into the season? We felt really good, Craig, about it because we knew, um, you know, we knew what that young man could bring to the table. Uh, we knew that we were going to have to change a little bit because, um, you know, Cash was an excellent quarterback and make every throw, um, you know, and Cody is, is different than that. They just have a, a two really different skill sets. And so we knew we'd have to shift a little bit, you know, to, to really just make it fit within the framework of our offense. And, and uh, the coaches have done a great job with that. And, and Cody's just really, you know, uh, taken to it and, and uh, done a really, really good job for a young man at that spot. Coach Warren, uh, uh, you talked about those guys who aren't household names. And I saw Hanson Colley all over the field. I mean, he's having sacks. He caught the touchdown. Can you, can you kind of talk about some more of those guys on the defensive side? It's not named Cody Stover. It's not named Johnny Ball that people should be watching for this Friday morning at State. 
Well, I think, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you look at, uh, you know, Lane Potek, number seven. He's a, he's a young man that, that played a backup role last year here and there, but has really flourished this year and taken control of our secondary. And, and uh, he just flies around and makes plays uh, all over the field. Uh, Jack Reiser, number 14, is another young man. Uh, played some last year for us as well in a backup role and got some experience, but uh, has really come into his own this year. And, and uh, uh, just, man, he, he had played phenomenal the other night uh, against Cuero in, in the uh, state semifinals. And uh, another one, Chase Royer, you know, our nose guard, number 55, just a, a high motor kid. Uh, that would that can cause uh, a lot of problems if you don't double team him, you know. And, and he's just so tough to block because he's so relentless with his efforts. So, you know, but it's kids all over the field that are like that. That uh, just, they, like I said, they just love playing football and they just love to make plays. Visiting Doug Warren, head coach of the Wimberley Texans, who will uh, get ready to go into the state championship round on Saturday. I'll, I'll get on oh, Friday. I'll get to. Uh, Carthage in a moment, but the uh, uh, you know Snoop said there's guys uh, with other names other than uh, than uh, Stover and Ball, but but I did want to ask you about Johnny and and he's he's been a performer for you all season long, but down the stretch it looks like uh, this is a guy that's just uh, as they would say a man possessed. He he really looks like he has taken it to an exceptional level for you. Uh, Johnny Ball has for you coming out of your backfield. He really has, and he's such a complete running back. I mean, he's he's got great vision. He's big. He can punish you at the point of attack. You know, he can make you miss out in the open field. Uh, the thing about it is that you know we we didn't we didn't want to. We knew what we had with Johnny, but but we didn't want to feed him the ball. You know, twenty five times a game early in the season, and then you know he doesn't have legs late down the, the stretch, and so um, you know you know in the playoffs now. You know, if you kind of watch us, you know, his carries are kind of up, and that's by design. Uh, just start feeding that guy the ball a little more because usually when the ball is in his hands, then good things happen. And so, uh, but he's such a, a force back there and has really, really uh, turned it up in the playoffs, like you said. You know, Doug, in the NBA, they call that load management. Is that is that what you guys were looking at with him <laughs> early in the season anyway? A little bit of load management until you got down to these six weeks that matter the most? Well, I think you have to do some of that, you know. I mean, if you, um, you know, there's some games in there early where we could have given him the ball 25 times and he could have rushed for X amount of yards, you know. But you still, that's that's putting a lot of wear and tear on the young man. And and when you expect to play, you know, like we do, we expect to play deep into the season. And, and um, you know, you, you want those guys to be at their best, uh, you know, weeks 13, 14, 15, 16, as opposed to, you know, being tired, you know, from from uh, just a, a ton of carries throughout the year. So, uh, if you want to call it load management, yeah, we'll call it that. But uh, uh, whatever, it's worked really well for us. Whatever you want to call it, no doubt about. It. And and the other thing I think that's worked well for your co-red defense is, is, is a little bit of a, I don't know if redefining is the right word, but but you really have seemed to master the art. Of bending but not breaking a bit is it is is that a fair assessment of how your guys you know you've, you've given up some points but you've come up with some huge plays when you had to down the stretch whether it be getting a stop or a pick or a fumble recovery it looks like it's 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 also kind of redefining bend but not breaking a little bit on your defensive side yeah you're right i mean it's uh in 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 the world of today's offenses i mean uh, they can put so much pressure on you with some of the things they can do, and and so you're you're probably going to give up some points. But 
like you said, when we, you know, when we need it at most, you know, it might be uh, uh, just uh, holding the team to a field goal, which was huge the other night uh, against Quero. You know, we dug in and held them to a field goal in one possession, which was really made a huge difference late in the game or a, or a pick or, you know, a big stop on a fourth down, you know. So um, you're right. You know, we've kind of redefined it. and But uh, these guys love, you know, they love playing defense and, and they know what's at stake on Friday. Uh, and they'll, they'll have their A game ready to go. Doug Warren, head coach of the Wimberley Texans, joining us here on Life the Tower on the Horn. Okay, uh, we turn our attention to the state championship run. I, th- I think a lot of folks thought your team might have an opportunity to be in, in the title run. I think almost everybody that I talked to expected Carthage to be there. There they are, a household name. They've won eight state championships. They, they have this powerful offense. They have Connor Cuff and and uh, as their quarterback, and then and then they have so many different guys, so many different weapons. But what's your take on Carthage? Because for the first time this season, they trailed in a game last Friday night in the semifinal against uh, Glen Rose and really got pushed for that. But what's your what's your impressions when you look at the Bulldogs on tape? Well, when you first look at them, I mean, uh, first off, they're just, they've been the standard, uh, not just in our classification, but in all classifications, I think is just the model of consistency and how many state championships they've won uh, over the last several years. And just, man, they're really good everywhere. When once you look at them, you look at them defensively um, and you, you try to find, okay, where are some cracks? And you don't know if you can find any. Did you, you flip it over the other side of the ball? You know, where can we try to get to them you know, with our defense? And, and they just, they've got playmakers all over the field, great quarterback, stable running backs that just keep pounding at you. So, um, you know, they, they are, um, even though they, they got pushed the other night, you know, Glenn Rose was, was really, really good watching that video. Uh, you know, they, are, they still are, you know, they're there for a reason. They're really good, well-coached. Um, they take a lot of pride and the things that they do and, and that shows. And, and they have a lot of confidence, you know, when they've won as many as they've won and, and have done the things that they've done, you know. And, and you got to give it your hats off to Coach Surratt and those kids because it's hard. It's hard to get to, you know, it's hard to get to a state championship game. It's hard to win one. And for them to have done it, you know, eight out of nine times, that's, man, that's pretty spectacular, to be honest with you. You know, uh, Doug, I, I did their uh, game on television against Gilmer, and Noah Patty – uh, strikes me as a as a receiver, as a big playmaker. He also fumbled in the ball game uh, against Glen Rose, and it's so rare for Carthage to make mistakes on that. But is is that a blueprint? Not necessarily on Carthage, but on any other team, is that if a guy who normally does not make mistakes. Uh, has a fumble, or in the case of Connor Cuff, if he throws an interception, or if they fumble upon, or something like that, you got to take advantage of it. Is that is that one of the deals? If you're going to beat a team like that, is that you've got to be able to uh, make a team pay for the rare mistake that they might make here and there? Oh, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. But if, if they do something, you know, they rarely fumble, they rarely throw interceptions. You know, those types of deals. If you have the opportunity and you you get one of those, and you do have to make them pay. I mean, that that, that that's only that's only one of the ways you can beat them. I mean, they're they're not, you know, typically they never beat themselves. And if you can you can get them to put the ball in the ground or get a turnover here and there, however it is, uh, you have to cash in on that to, to, to try to uh, give you an advantage somewhere. One other thing I want to ask you about, Doug, and that's this the whole 
um, uh, shall we say, Jerry World wow factor. I always hear coaches talk about maybe it's a little bit of concern. Other coaches who've taken teams there before say we really don't make that big a deal out of it. We let them kind of get the, the during, during pregame warm-ups, let them get their look around and look at the big board. You have an 11 a.m. kickoff, so I know you're going to be getting there relatively early. Uh, how do you approach how you get your guys up there and then on the field and dealing with all that ancillary stuff before taking on a team like Carthage on Friday morning? Well, you know, one thing, you know, we played in the Alamo Dome the other day, which is a big venue, not near as big as Jerry World. Not, You know, not. it's kind of ramped up when you go there and then we get there on Friday. But a lot of these kids traveled with us, you know, a few years ago when we played Pleasant Grove. You know, so they have been there uh, and, and seen that. Um, we'll, we'll go, you know, we're going to go Thursday night and watch uh, Brock and, and Franklin play. And so some of that initial stuff will be out of the way, I think. But, but uh, you know, this team is pretty grounded. They, they don't let stuff like that get to them. They know that, that we have a task at hand, uh, a monumental task. And, and um, you know, that, that'll be secondary to, to those guys that are going to be out there playing on that field on, on Friday morning. Friday morning at 11 a.m., Wimberley in the 4A Division II state championship game against top-ranked Carthage. Doug, I appreciate the time. I know it's a, a crazy busy week for you, but an exciting week. We wish you all the best of luck in this uh, ball game Friday morning. Thank you, Craig, very much. Appreciate it. All right. That's Doug Warren, head coach of the Wimberley Texans. Great ride for this Texans ball club, and they get to ride it all the way up I-35 now to Arlington. They get to the final chapter there, Snoop, and and an opportunity to play for a state title. And it's and, and I will say this. Um, if there was any team in any classification, North Shore included, because North Shore really got pushed. They were down to a task of by 10 points in a ball game earlier this year. Now, they more than made up for it by blowing them out a couple of weeks ago. But if there was any team in any classification that I would have said was as close to, as close to, not a definite lock, but as close to being dominant and a chance and and probably uh, as close to being a lock as you could have to win a state, it would be Carthage. And they've just like, we hardly mention them on the television show this year because it was to be quite honest, kind of boring. I mean, it was like the six-man games that are over by halftime on the 45-point rule. They were just blowing teams away. So because of that, you know, we didn't we didn't pay that much attention to them until we got to the postseason, but we always saw what was going on. We get a couple of highlights. Ah, Carthage went again. But I will say this to you. Glenn Rose might have provided a blueprint for how you beat Carthage. And had they not fumbled late in the game, Glenn Rose was in position to win that football game. And and Carthage wound up winning at forty two thirty five, so it's a it's a difficult assignment to try to beat this team. But if you can get them when they're not playing, and and, and Greg Tepper and I, and Tep will be on with us tomorrow in the eleven o'clock hour, like he is on Tuesdays. For we'll have a state championship preview. We talked about it. He had visited with a lot of folks who were there at the game, media people and other people, and they said Carthage perhaps seemed a little disinterested in it, that they maybe they were looking ahead uh, because I think the computer had them a healthy favorite to beat Glen Rose, and they found themselves in a ballgame. I mean, they're down in the fourth quarter and had to come back, tie it, and Glen Rose is driving for what could have been a game-winning touchdown, fumbled the ball, 
And then Carthage gets down and scores with, I think, 20 seconds left. They scored late in the game, and, um, and, and Carthage gets the win. So if there is a blueprint, it's like anything else with football. Uh, take advantage of the mistakes because just about every team makes a mistake. You know, if, if not a turnover, maybe a penalty or, or just don't execute in a third-down situation, you've got to make the opponent pay for that. And Glenrose very nearly pulled the shocker of the season and would have taken out Carthage. Didn't happen, and maybe that was their one – Warning shot, their scary moment, and 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 maybe now they'll you know they'll be ready to roll, and and uh, and Wimberley could have a tough time on Friday morning. But I will say the other way of looking in that is you could see where some mistakes can be made, and maybe if you're good enough and take advantage, you can make them pay for it. So you hope for that anyway. Tanner Heatley, number three for Wimberley. He's their hype man before the games. He yeah. Gets it. Uh, so he is the younger brother. I forget which Heatley, but his brother played on the 2011 wow. state finalist team. So, yeah, there's a people go to Wimberley and they don't leave. <laughs> but they, they love it. It's I, That is one of the nicest little cities that I have ever been to. And he's uh, one of the nicest coaches you can visit with. Doug Warren's a great dude. And that, that uh, community and that program – are are uh, outstanding to follow, and and we wish him the best. And like I said, uh, that's not one of the games that I'm doing, by the way. But I will be there, just like you're planning to be there, aren't you, Snoop? I hope so. Yeah, I, if, yeah. yeah. If, if we, we get everything in order, does. yeah, right. The uh, but uh, I'm I will plan on being there for that one. I'm doing the two games on Friday that come after that, the four A Division one game between uh, Bernie and China Spring and then the night games at South Oak Cliff and Port Natchez Groves. We'll get to all of that. Uh, I'm going to run down the uh, the schedule. I've had a couple of people ask me which specific games are you calling uh, for television. I'll, I'll, I'll mention all that coming up. We also have uh, a Longhorn Notebook, and we'll hear from Christian Bishop from the Longhorn men's basketball team. We have a Flex 30 uh, update coming, all that and more when we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. If the holiday time is your... Okay, if you watched uh, Charlie Brown Christmas at any point in your life, you're all about the Vince Garaldi Trio's version of, Lin- uh, of not Linus and Lucy, uh, but of uh, Christmas Time is here. In this case, this is the, the instrumental version. Yeah, this is without the high pitch. <laughs> With the kids' choir? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's exactly right. This is more lounge appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like the brushes on the drums there, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um Snoop is a happy guy because I have him, you know, doing the. Uh, I think I played when I first started like the tower. I might have played a Christmas song like the day before Thanksgiving. You're like, what? I think I do remember that. Uh-huh. Now that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. So I was saying, you know, you know, early you get to figure out. <laughs> yeah. You can't break bust it out too early. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I did. I thought I did. Um, uh, See that? I've definitely bought this CD. I paid, I think, like eighteen ninety nine for like premium price at like a fancy bookstore. But yeah, this is definitely like chai, coffee, and fireplace, and even though it's seventy degrees outside. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, it is time now for our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook that is brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert and your Longhorn lender. 
uh, see if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that is to get your home loan approval turned around just like that. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K. She can, after all, be the one to guarantee the 10-day or less home loan approval, bowersockteam.com. Okay, I, I mentioned at the start of the program that uh, that uh, and we we read the story about uh, what happened with uh, Longhorns head coach Chris Beard, and uh, and that he was arrested very early this morning on a domestic violence charge. I also said at that time that any time there was any kind of update on the situation, meaning statements from either side or whatever, that we would present those as well. So um, here it is. I have an update uh, for you this, at least it, in terms of the conversation coming from Coach Beard's attorney, uh, Perry Minton, who is uh, based in Austin and represents him. And uh, he uh, said in a quote to Tony Plahetsky from uh, KVU, uh, quote, Coach Beard is one hundred percent innocent of these charges he never should have been arrested the complainant wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed and i'm going to tell you the last line of the quote i didn't make this up this is the last line it is truly inconceivable <laughs> that was the, that's that's the line there so uh again that that is the that's the actual quote from uh, Perry Minton, his attorney. And again, I'll read the quote. Coach Beard is 100% innocent of these charges. He never should ha- he should have never been arrested. The complainant wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed. It is truly inconceivable. So that's that that's the update where that is right now. So uh like I said, anytime we get an update I would mention at the at the top of the show, we mentioned the arrest that happened very early this morning, and uh, the fact that he was facing a third degree felony charge of assault on a family household member, impede breath circulation situation, and uh, and that he was still in jail as of nine o'clock this morning. No bail amount was met the university had released a brief statement saying the university was aware of the situation we're continuing to gather information and monitoring the legal process so those are the two things that have happened and as i mentioned anytime there's something there we will definitely bring it to you and let you know what it is so that's it that's that's uh that's the update as it is right now uh meanwhile the longer basketball team has to go back to work tonight and uh, play a game against Rice. Uh, our man CB wanted everybody to know. I saw it myself a moment ago. The latest AP top 25 college basketball polls out. Texas fell from number two to number seven following the loss to Illinois. Of course, then they, they uh, came back in one of our Arkansas Pine Bluff on uh, Saturday. So, anyway, that's, uh, that's where that is. And any time that uh, there's a, uh, an update on any of this, I'll be sure to mention it uh, along. And the same thing will come with uh, Chad and Zay and uh, and then afternoon uh, with uh, Rod B and Mike Harge. 
uh, they'll present it, the, the, the statements, the facts that they have come out from there. All right. Uh, there we have it. And uh, it's time now for our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Where's our, uh, there we go. Got to have a little Vuvuzela, too. You got some horn for me there, <laughs> I do. Steve? I definitely do. You have to do that. There we go. Because those horns have to be a shout-out to Vandegrift and... and yes, uh, Wimberley. And Wimberley. So. Y'all made it. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, part of the two, too. Hey, uh, on the high school for somebody on the Specs text line uh, at 337-3776 said, Hey, Craig, Greg seemed perturbed on the Texas High School Scoreboard Show with your female compadre on the air this week. No, 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 no. That's, that is all in love and jest. They are very, very close. Uh, they've worked together 10 years, uh, Greg Tepper and Aaron Hardigan. Uh, it's funny. It, they're both uh, married to different people, but people say they're like an old married couple when they're <laughs> on the air sometimes. It's fun. They're, they're, they're great together, and I enjoy working with them. They're, they're an awful lot of fun. On that, and we had a lot of fun with the scoreboard show Saturday night, recapping everything, and then we had a lot of fun yesterday in Dallas. We were recording a state championship preview show that aired this week on Valley Sports Southwest. So uh, we had a lot of fun with all of that. Okay, now I mentioned that what we would do is run down these twelve state championship games. That's what we're down to, Snoop. Got 12 games. That's it. That, got 12. Okay? Um, and, and uh, you know, they're pretty pretty exciting when you look at the matchups, as you always have for a state championship. Some are matchups you go, okay, it makes sense. Some you go, wow, I didn't see that happening. Or you might say, I didn't think that team would get there. And in some of these matchups you're going, Wow, I didn't see either of those teams getting here. The universal response I'm getting from folks is that the Division One matchup is a, oh, yeah, you can see that happening. Duncanville, Galena, Park, North Shore, even though Westlake, of course, was a three-time defending state champ at a 54-game winning streak, but North Shore stopped that streak. But North Shore, remember, won the Division One title a year ago. North Shore has beaten Duncanville three times. 2018 on the Hail Mary pass to L.J. Carter in the end zone. 2019, when Jaquindon Jackson got injured the week before, blew out the knee and had to go with a freshman at quarterback. And then last year, when they just had that punishing defense and a freshman, Caleb Bailey, who sparked that offense for North Shore. Caleb Bailey got hurt this year. And so they've been able to piecemeal it together with David Amador at quarterback and some of uh, Evan Jackson as well. North Shore and Duncan. I think it's going to be a great, great game. Um, 6A Division II, I'll be honest with you, Snoop. There are those who said they didn't see this matchup coming. From either team, probably. From either side. Your alma mater, the DeSoto Eagles, against the Vandegrift Vipers. Do I even need to ask who you're rooting for? Vandegrift. I knew you would I knew you would say that because you rooted for Weiss against the Soto. Correct. Angered both of your parents by doing that. I did. Are they gonna be angry at you again? <laughs> they this were week? like you're coming out here to shoot a team, not DeSoto. I'm like, yeah. 
Are they right. going to be that way again? Yes. This week? Oh, for sure. They love DeSoto. They, they have not left, obviously. Right. They, they left Cedar Hill to go to DeSoto and have not left. That was many moons ago. All right. So. All right. Let me tell you, let me tell you <laughs> about this. Like I said, they might have a little fuel for their fire in talking about DeSoto. They're coached by Claude Mathis. Claude, of course, known really well around here. Coached at Anderson. Uh, you know, had uh, been from Bartlett, part of the state championship team. Played at then Southwest Texas State. Was a running back. Uh, has done a tremendous job. DeSoto left DeSoto for a while and was over in Marshall and then went back to DeSoto because when DeSoto won its one state football title, Todd Peterman was the coach. Yes. He is now the offensive coordinator at Duncanville, by the way. Todd Peterman is. So, Juan Mathis has been back there. And, and, and if we're keeping it real here, DeSoto in recent years has found ways to lose some games that you thought for sure they'd win or that they were in position to win. Now, they were in a very difficult district with Duncanville and Cedar Hill, Waxahachie, Waxahachie. you know, and and they took some lumps. We had this um, soundbite from him at midseason, and there was some other – it was not Greg Tepper, it was not Dave Campbell's Texas Football, but it was some other website had ranked Waxahachie and not DeSoto and said they would take care of DeSoto, and DeSoto blew them out. And – and it was kind of an angry Claude Mathis in the post-game interview saying that, that's ridiculous, the, the, the disrespect and blah, 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 and our kids noticed it, and that's fine, whatever. So um, they've kind of been motivated by those who have picked them to lose throughout the course of the playoffs, and that included Texas Football Magazine. In fact, Tepper raised his hand on the show Saturday and said, I was one of them. He picked them to lose to Denton Geyer. They dominated Denton Geyer for a lot of the game. Now, Geyer made a run, cut it to 26-21, and then DeSoto blew away. They've got playmakers. And we know about Shante Cook, who, of course, is, is uh, committed to the University of Texas. they got playmakers on both sides of the ball. He's gonna, I think he'll play next year. He's so good. He's good enough. No doubt about it. So, anyway, all right, so that's the game at 3 o'clock. Of course, Duncanville and North Shore is the game at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Um, 5A Division One. This was an eyebrow raiser. Alito has won more state championships than any program in state of Texas history. They've won 10. But they were a decided underdog to number one ranked and undefeated Longview. And they were down 14-3 in the second quarter. And they adjusted. And they shut down Longview's running game. They got it going. And as the rain started pouring uh, at Kincaid Stadium, they found a way to get through it. Had a couple of big drives. The game got stopped with 56 seconds to go in the game and Longview at midfield, and the game got stopped for two hours because lightning delay. Whole two hours? Yeah, two hours with 56 seconds left. I I texted Dr. Charles Bright of the athletic, the executive director of the UIL because at the time, Duncanville and Prosper, and Duncanville blew out Prosper 41-0 in the same game. I te- and they had not started that game. So I texted Dr. Brighton. I said, Charles, what happens if they can't get it in? Isn't it in the UIL Constitution that they can't play on Sunday? And he said, yes. They'd have to come back on Monday and, and, and play it on Monday morning. Fortunately, didn't happen. And, and then when they picked up, Alito was able to shut down Longview the rest of it. So Alito's in the state championship against College Station. College Station found its way back despite losing their outstanding running back, Collins, despite being down early, despite, remember, you know the last team to beat College Station was, don't you? Georgetown. Yeah, in double overtime. And 
Cougars haven't lost since, including winning a rematch with Georgetown in the third round. And they were down 7-0 to Vets Memorial in the game that followed the Vandegrift game uh, in the Alamo Dome. And Vets Memorial was trying to get a late first-half drive going, leading 7-0. Quarterback throws an out route, pick six. Changed the entire game. College Station dominated second half and won at 33-7. Their defense has really carried them well. So it's Alito and College Station. That is the game Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Now, Friday night, South Oak Cliff back to try to defend its state title in 5A Division II against Port Natchez Groves. I did the game, uh, on, uh, the game on Friday night, Sock against Argyle. And South Oak Cliff is not, is not, is not going to wag you with their offense. They've got running backs, to be certain. It's their defensive here. Billy Walton, the Texas commitment, obviously, is one of those. Uh, Malik Muhammad is is one of those. Yeah, Muhammad's a beast. Uh, yeah. Uh, their defensive line and their defensive play is something else. They made two big mistakes. I talked about taking advantage of mistakes. They made two big mistakes in the third quarter. Uh, one in the third and one in the fourth. No, both in the third. Two interceptions in their own end of the field. Argyle had it inside the 20. In fact, had it inside the five. And both times had to settle for field goals. They could not punch it in. And then South Oak Cliff did respond with a 75-yard, 17-play drive that took 8 minutes and 59 seconds. And that was a championship-type drive. They score. They win at 14-6. Now they get PNG. Important H's Grove team so well coached off the, the latest chapter, the latest branch of the Joseph family coaching tree, going all the way back to the immortal Eddie Joseph, who had coached at Wharton, and then, of course, was a big-time executive director of the Texas High School Coaches Association for years. His son, Gary, of course, the longtime head coach at Katy. Gary was the one who presented the semifinal trophy to his son, Jeff, when they beat Liberty Hill on Friday night. Because it was in his stadium, at Katy. And legacy. Then they, then they bust over to San Antonio and get beat by Vandegrift on Saturday. They did that. So uh, this this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, these two, PNG and South Oak Cliff, and like I said, I think it could be a massive crowd oh on Friday. Night. Yeah. Friday afternoon. The, uh, yes. Even though like it might be a little controversial, I got to say the PNG Indian guy, he is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they've got, I think, permission okay, okay. through a Native American tribe and or something are, when they do that. Because this, uh, this came up several years ago about holy that. Holy Lord. Yeah. His outfit might cost a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Amazing. Uh, so, so anyway. That was yeah. That's that's the deal in that. You know, I bet you on Friday. I'm sorry, but I bet you on Friday, and I bet you a Vandegrift will probably already be there, so they'll probably be watching the game since they play at three o'clock tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah, they might uh, come up in the morning. I just hey, ask Coach Sanders. Yeah, yeah, I have to do them there. Hey, uh, one correction: Georgetown, as we mentioned, did beat College Station, but that wasn't the double overtime game. They won that one 49-38. They were actually up 35-3 at the half in that one. Thanks for the uh, correction on that one. They had that confused with that double overtime lost to A&M Consolidated. Consolidated. That was the one there. Wrong Brazos Valley School <laughs> on that. Um, and then, and then uh, uh, okay, on uh, Friday afternoon, 4A Division One, China Spring and Bernie. China Spring won the 4A Division Two title last year. They have the 4A Division One championship game against Bernie. 4A Division Two uh, on 
11 o'clock Friday morning. We just spoke with Doug Warren, head coach of the Wimberley Texans. They play Carthage. 3A Division One. This ought to be a lot of fun. Brock and Franklin. Brock started 0-4. They've won 11 in a row since you say, how does a team uh, take a look at their non-district schedule? The losses include Wimberley and also Gunner, both of whom are playing for state titles. Wichita Falls Hershey, which was a playoff team. They lost all the playoff teams. It was a brutal non-district schedule. They're playing Franklin, who's unbeaten. Three Division II, Gunner, unbeaten, scored in the waning seconds to beat Canadian 21-20 in the sixth meeting in the last seven years between those two in the Final Four. They'll play Poth which is underway from uh, San Antonio to Corpus, the Pirates. 2A Division I, Hawley from out near Abilene, the big country against Refurio. 2A Division II, it's Albany in March. Finally, you got 1A Division I, top-ranked Abbott against defending state champion Westbrook. That's the only matchup, by the way, Snoop, of two head coaches who have won state titles, those two. And then the final one, Benjamin and Lorraine will get it all started on Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Folks have asked me which games am I calling. Uh, 1A Division Two, Benjamin and Lorraine. 1A Division One, Westbrook Abbott. So both of the six-man games. 3A Division One, Brock Franklin on uh, Thursday night. 4A Division One on Friday afternoon, China Spring Bernie. 5A Division Two. South Oak Cliff, Port Natchez Groves, Friday night, and then both of the 6A games on Saturday, Vandegrift, DeSoto, and Duncanville and North Shore. Then a doubleheader UT basketball day after. That'll be on Sunday. That'll be on Sunday. We'll get a good night's sleep. We'll be ready for that. <laughs> all right, we'll be back to uh, wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower here on Harbaugh the board. Harbaugh here, and I want to talk to you about Allstat Beer. Be sure to stock up with a variety of Allstat for your football festivities. Allstat has... We get ready to wrap it up here on uh, Light the Tower. Snoop is officially indoctrinated into the holiday music scene now, so it's going to be like that all the way through the rest of our time through uh, this week and uh, next week as well before we break for Christmas. So just preparing you for it now. Just be ready for that. Uh, We'll be uh, back with you tomorrow. Uh, Greg Tepper, managing editor Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, will join us. More on these state championship matchups. Obviously, we'll continue to update the Texas basketball situation as it warrants. The game is tonight at 7 o'clock. We invite you to stay tuned. Up next, Chad and Zay to take you through the midday. And tomorrow, we announce the All-Flex team. For a man behind the glass, Snoop Daniel, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow on Light the Tower.